0: morning, Jerobal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands, in order that Israel may not boast against me that our own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon There are still too many men Take them down to the water And I will sift them out for you there If I say this one shall go with you He shall go But if I say this one shall not go with you He shall not go So Gideon took the men down to the water There the Lord told him Separate those who lap the water with their tongues Like a dog from those who kneel down to drink Three hundred men lapped with their hands to their mouths All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that have lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300, who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of the Midian lay lay below him in the valley. "'During that night the Lord said to Gideon, "'Get up and go down against the camp "'because I am going to give it into your hands. "'But if you are afraid to attack, "'go down to the camp with your servant Pura "'and listen to what they are saying. "'Afterwards you will be encouraged and attack the camp.' "'So he and Pura, his servant, "'went down to the outposts of the camp.' The Midianites and the (coughs) Amakalamites, excuse me, and all the other eastern peoples had settled into the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man to tell a friend his, his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the word of Gideon, son of Josiah, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into our hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I, get all, when I and all who are with me, blow your trumpets. Then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and brought the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed the jars. "'Grasping the torches in their left hands "'and holding in their right hands the trumpets "'they were to blow, they shouted, "'A sword for the Lord and for Gideon.' "'While each man held his position around the camp, "'all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. "'When the 300 trumpets sounded, "'the Lord caused the men throughout the camp "'to turn on each other with their swords. "'The army fled to beth towards Zariah, "'as far as the border with Abel-Menoya, near Tabath. "'Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, "Come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Bethbarr. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they took the waters of the Jordan as far as Bethbarr, and they captured two of the Midianite uh, leaders, Oreb and Zeb, and they killed Oreb on the rock of Oreb and Zeb on the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan."
1: Thanks, Ian. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we pray this morning that as we look into your word, that you will speak to us. We pray that we might have open hearts to receive what you have to give to us. We pray that you would open our minds to hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, well we've been looking at the story of uh, Gideon for the last couple of uh, weeks. Uh, inspired by our uh, text for the year which is from the book of Joshua have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous do not be terrified do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go and uh, with that in our minds we've been looking at the story of uh, Gideon uh, the mighty warrior anybody feeling like a mighty warrior yet we're three weeks in uh, I'm not feeling like a mighty warrior this morning, I'm full of a, a head cold, and my throat's hurting me, don't feel like anything like a, a mighty warrior. First week we saw that Gideon was an undercover hero, while he was hiding in the wine press, he was a bit of a wimp. Uh, an unlikely hero, he was uh, the least of his family, the smallest clan. Um, and an unwilling hero, uh, he thought God was choosing the wrong person. Uh, when God chose him he thought surely there must be somebody else uh, that was the first week and then the second week we saw uh, as Gideon started to uh, fill the boots of the mighty hero he was given his first special assignment which was a home assignment he had to uh, remove uh, the idol to bow in his own backyard uh, we saw that he was given a special anointing that the spirit of God came upon him and we saw that he was given a special assurance when he still wasn't quite sure what was going on and he laid out his fleece uh, that that God went with Gideon and he played the fleece game with Gideon uh, to give him that special assurance uh, that he was doing uh, the right thing. And this week uh, we carry on with this uh, story of Gideon, the mighty warrior. Gideon's a hero that you and I can identify with, isn't he? He's uh, not only an unlikely hero, he's he's not a great hero. Um, even though God's told him he's going to be uh, a mighty warrior, uh, Gideon's not quite uh, got the idea of what a mighty warrior is or what a mighty warrior does. He's, he's, he's growing into the role of being a mighty warrior. And there's a sense in which that's what you and I are doing. Uh, we're growing into our roles of being mighty warriors for God. So the story of Gideon continues. And uh, this is where Gideon's really going to try out these mighty warrior boots. Because he's going to go into battle. And uh, from what we know of Gideon, uh, we know that Gideon still really uh, not really got very far from that being a wimp in the wine winepress. He, he scares easily Gideon and uh, and so God says to him the Lord said to Gideon you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands you have too many men this I would suggest is not what you want to hear when you're going into battle with an army that already outnumbers you by about four or five to one you do not want to hear God saying you've got too many men but that's what God says. And uh, from that, I draw this lesson less is more. Okay? Less is more. Just try saying that. Less is more. Roy Clements in his book uh, about Gideon, people who made history, he says there's a philosophy around these days, bigger is better. It's infiltrated the church more than a little. We're told that if we really want to be effective, if we really want to make an impact on the world, the things we do have to be big. Our budgets must be big, our meetings must be big, the bigger the better. I find a warning in the Gideon story against that attitude. In fact... I find it in many places in the Bible. Less is more. I don't know about you, but if I I go to somewhere and I I say that I'm a a Baptist minister, a leader in the church, um, I can almost guarantee one of the first questions that people will say is, well, how big's your church? Because we do live in that world, don't we, where we think that bigger is better. Uh, if somebody's got a big house, uh, a big car, uh, a big bank balance, uh, we think that they've done well. And uh, we are surrounded with this idea that bigger is better. And uh, I was interested that Roy Clements said that uh, he doesn't only find this idea that there's something wrong with that attitude in the story of Kideon, but he finds it elsewhere in in the Bible we don't have a fleece theology we don't have a fleece theology we don't take one little bit of scripture and then build a theology out of it in something that's only mentioned once Uh, we look for patterns we look for things that are repeated again and again and this idea that less is more is contrary to our culture but we do find it in the Bible again and again when uh, when God was going to give uh, Israel uh, a king, and uh, and Saul had made a bit of a mess of it, and he was looking for another king, uh, he found David, uh, who was also the least of his family. He didn't even make the line-up when, uh, when Samuel came around looking for the king. He didn't even make the line-up of brothers. All his brothers were there, bigger and better than him. He was out in the field looking after the sheep, the smallest, and God says, i like that one. Less is more. Remember Jesus saying that if you've got faith as big as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, jump into the sea or something like that. Why? Because less is more. You know, we need to remember that. Uh, I have a mustard seed and I'm not afraid to use it. I have a mustard seed. Just remember that. Next time you're facing uh, a mountain of a situation, you know, just turn to it and say, I've got a mustard seed and I'm not afraid to use it. Remember the story of the uh of the feeding of the 5000? What are we going how are we going to feed all these people? There's a little lad there with uh, five loaves and, uh, and two fishes. And Jesus is able to feed 5000. Why? Because less is more. When Jesus was building up his army uh, to take on the devil, sin, evil and death, you'd think you'd need a big army for that, wouldn't you? You'd think you'd need a a massive army. Uh, But he chose just 12 disciples. Why? Because less is more. See something of of a pattern here in scripture? Uh, that God doesn't look for the biggest, the strongest. Um, he looks for the small, for the weak. And He uses them, and He empowers them with His strength. And the thing about choosing people like that, there can be no doubt who is responsible. And when we look at Gideon, we know that he, he's not the hero. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's the wimp in the winepress that God plucks out and says, you're my man, I'm going to use you. And you're going to defeat these evil, horrible Midianites. But you've got too many men. You've got too many men. So less is more. He's got to get rid of a few men. Well, more than a few. 22,000. He says, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left. 22,000 of them were afraid. And I can picture, I can, I can imagine Gideon thinking, I'm, I'm with the 22,000. God says, no, 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 no. Everyone else except you, Gideon, who's afraid, is going. And Gideon remains. And there's 10,000 left. And 10,000, that's not bad, is it? 10,000. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. You know, if you didn't want to hear it the first time, after 22,000 people have just left your camp, you certainly don't want to hear that 10,000 is too many. Surely not. Do you reckon Gideon might have had a thought, does God know what he's doing? Does God really know what he's doing? I'm sure you never think that. But I've got to be honest, sometimes I, I look at situations that happen, I look at things that happen, and I, I do think, you know, does God know what he's doing? Does God really know what he's doing? Is this your plan, God? Is this how it's going to work out? Well, this is where Gideon stood. You still have too many men. There are still too many. Well, more than one or too many. Uh, about 9,700 too many. So he comes up with the... Uh, with the water test he says send your men down to the river and uh, and see who how they drink the water i wonder whether this is a, a good way of sort of choosing leaders in the church you know instead of instead of this voting thing should we just get a bucket of water out and 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 see whether people uh, sip the water or whether they gulp it down what do you reckon would that be a good idea uh, well it was certainly gideon was certainly going against the odds wasn't he in this Uh, Jeff Lucas in his book on Gideon says I cannot imagine anything other than than screaming panic swirling through Gideon's mind as he watched another 9,700 of his troops departing Gideon's army was now outnumbered by a staggering 400 to 1 the odds were totally impossible and God smiled there was room for him to work now God smiles at the impossibilities I wonder, you know, do we need to make room for God to be able to work? Have you noticed in the story of Gideon that he he keeps having to get rid? First of all, he had to get rid of his, his fear and his feeling of inadequacy in the wine press. You know, God says, I'm with you, you don't need to be afraid. And then he had to get rid of the idols to Baal in his own backyard. You need to get rid of that stuff before I can use you. And then he's saying you need to get rid of some men and then some more men before there's room for me to work. And I wonder, you know, do we need to make room for God to work in our lives? Do we need to make room for God to be able to work in the church? Is the stuff that we need to get rid of to allow God to be able to work in our lives and in our church. Do we need to make room for God? It was against the odds. You know, Gideon's army, they were the Leicester City of this battle. They were the Leicester City. I heard talking about against the odds, uh, I heard on the radio that you could have got odds of 5,000 to 1 against Leicester winning the Premier League. Uh, now I believe there's something like uh, 7 to 4 on or something. Uh, and apparently 20 people took out that bet. 20 Leicester City fans actually took out that bet at the the beginning. And one of them put 20 quid on. Can you do the maths? 5,000 to 1, 20 quid. Is that about 100,000? Something like that. That's not bad, is it? But I reckon when they put that that, that bet on, they were probably having a bit of a laugh. Maybe they'd had a a drink or two. uh, Because they thought there was absolutely no chance... The bookie probably took the money off them and smiled and had a giggle to the guy next to him and said, Leicester City, (laughs) just escaped relegation, no chance. Uh, We'll take your money, we'll take your money. Uh, But who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? Against the odds. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like we are working against the odds. It feels like we have no chance. It feels like we're living in a world that has totally turned its back on God, that no longer believes in God, that thinks the church is a joke, and they look at the church and and they see a bunch of old folks uh, singing their hymns, and they think they've got no chance whatsoever of making a difference in this world. We are working against the odds, but we have a secret weapon. God is with us. God is on our side. Mighty warriors. The Lord said to Gideon, with the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Gideon's three hundred. Gideon's got an applause. Gideon's three hundred gets an applause. Um, I'm guessing Gideon's 300 didn't feel like mighty warriors. I'm guessing Gideon's 300 didn't feel like mighty warriors. Uh, What about Lums 50? What about Lums 50? What can God do with Lums 50? You've lapped the water. You didn't gulp gulp it down. And you've been chosen. You're still here. You've not deserted. You've you've not gone home. You're here. And what is God going to do with us? What is God going to do with Lums 50? Against the odds. Yes we're working against the odds. But God is with us. And uh, God in his grace. He reminds Gideon that he's he's not alone. Because not only God is with him. uh, But he has other people around him. Two are better than one. Gideon If you are afraid to attack, I wonder what gave God that idea that Gideon might be afraid. eh? What gave God that idea? If you are afraid, he was petrified. Go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards you will be encouraged to attack the camp. Go down with your servant Pura. Take somebody with you. When you're going into enemy territory, don't go alone. Sometimes we, we 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 are a bit go-it-alone people. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Do you need any help? No, I don't need any help. I'm fine. Are you sure? Yeah, 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 I, I can cope. Uh, we have that mentality, don't we? And uh, God notices that Gideon's trembling. He's out of the wine press. He's putting his warrior boots on, but he's still frightened. And he says, well, go down into the camp, but take Piora with you. Because he knows Gideon, and he knows Gideon keeps thinking... Did God really say that? Did that really happen? Um, You know, the fleece, can we just try one more time? Can you give me a sign, God? And this time he takes pure with him because he wants somebody else to witness what Gideon is going to hear. And he arrives in the camp just at the right moment. Was it a coincidence? Well, of course not. God planned it. He makes sure that Gideon arrives just as somebody is talking about a dream that they had the other night. About this valley loaf. Tumbling down and knocking over the tents. And somebody else has an interpretation. And says this is Gideon's army. They're going to destroy us. And Gideon is encouraged. And he goes back to the camp. And he says. God is going to give the Midianites over to us. Come on. Let's get ready. Two are better than one. Don't try and be a hero on your own. Even Batman needed Robin. You don't need to be a hero on your own. You don't need to struggle through whatever it is you're struggling through. There are people around you. That's why God has given us the church. He thought it was a good idea that we have people with us. So that we can experience and hear the good things that God is doing. But we can also walk with people through the more difficult times. We are to weep with those who are weeping. And we are to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Two are better than one. If one falls down, the other can help him up. Don't struggle alone. You have people around you. Who want to help and support and pray. Don't be a hero on your own. You can be a hero for God, a mighty warrior, but don't try and be a hero on your own. Two are better than one. And then where two or three hundred are gathered, there am I with them. Has a kind of familiar ring to it, doesn't it? You know? Where two or three hundred are gathered, there am I with them. You see... Roy Clements again writing about the, the story of Gideon. said, that's what the book of Judges is really about. These judges are not heroes in the conventional sense. They are people who in the power of God deliver people in the name of God and who give God the glory at the end of the story. Uh, this victory that Gideon and his army experience has nothing to do with them and everything to do with God. Nothing to do with them and everything to do with God. And God told him, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands. With 300 men that, that, that lapped, I will save you. Go down against the camp because I am going to give it into your hands. Time and time again, God has told Gideon, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Too many men for me to deliver I will save you because I'm going to give it into your hands. God repeatedly tells Gideon that he's going to do it. And you know, sometimes we don't call on God enough. We do try and do things within our own strength. And we forget that it's God that's going to build the church. It's not me and it's not you, it's God through the power of his Holy Spirit working in us and empowering us and working in other people's lives, he will do it. But we've got to let him do it. And sometimes we've got to move out of the way, sometimes we've got to move things out of the way, sometimes we've got to move people out of the way to allow God to do what he wants to do. He tells Gideon again and again, I'm going to deliver the Midianites into your hand, it's going to be me that does it. The lesson of Gideon, the victories, writes Roy Clements, is the lesson for us to humble, frightened and inadequate people like you and me may yet hope to be mighty warriors. I like that. Humble, frightened and inadequate people. Any of those match up with you? Are you humble? Are you frightened? Do you feel inadequate? Uh, You might yet become a mighty warrior. Where two or three hundred are gathered, I am with them. Of course, Jesus says where he reduces the odds even more, doesn't he? Where two or three are gathered, there I am with you. Mighty warriors. And uh, it's an interesting battle strategy, isn't it? Uh, Well, what are we going to use? We're going to use a few torches. Torches. Uh, a few glass jars and a few trumpets. Uh, blow your trumpets, smash your jars, wave your wave your torches around, uh, and that was it. It wasn't. Didn't sound like a, a winning formula, did it? It's the kind of Leicester City thing again, isn't it? Let's let's get a few non-league players and not spend very much money and put a team together and see what happens. Um, well, they blow the trumpets and the important thing is is they follow what Gideon says. Gideon has followed what God has said. Gideon, although he was quaking in his wine press, he continued to do what God he asked for reassurance and he and he stumbled and he and he, and he wasn't exactly sure, but he carried on doing, he kept doing what God told him to do. And the people seemed to to get this, and so they did exactly, and it was really important that they did exactly the same thing at the same time as they they gathered, this small group of people did exactly what Gideon told them to do, and hey-ho, they get this amazing victory. Our job, the Lum 50, uh, is to do exactly what God has called us to do. We don't have to make it up, we don't have to invent it, We don't have to sit around in a committee thinking, what shall we do? Uh, God has already told us what to do. God has already promised that if we do it, he will be with us. He's told us to go out into all the world and make disciples in case you didn't know what it is that God's called us to do. Uh, Our job, our mission, our calling is to go and to make disciples. And again, what does Jesus say? And I will be with you to the very end of the age. That's all we need to know. Don't need to know anything else, folks. That's your commissioning. That's your calling. That's what God wants you to do. And he wants you to be a mighty warrior. And he can use you, however humble, inadequate, terrified you might feel. He can make a mighty warrior out of you. And isn't it good news that less is more? That we've not got a a massive church? uh, That we've not got a huge building? That we've not got a a, a humongous uh, bank balance? Um, But God can still use us. And God can still make us into mighty warriors. The story of Gideon the mighty warrior... It's not quite over yet. And you're going to have to wait two weeks. So do come back to see the conclusion of the story of Gideon.